podcast where we hate spinnerbait, but we love meeting our childhood heroes. I'm Michael Ann, and joined with me as always is Bethany. Bethany, how's it going? Um, it could not be going better. Welcome. <laughs> We've been promising a 4th of July palooza, and I really hope this doesn't disappoint, which I'm sure it won't, because I have the distinct honor of welcoming to the show the one, the only, Sarah Dustin. Sarah, how are you today? Hi! It's so fun to be here. It's so nice to meet you guys finally. I know. This I is know. so exciting. <laughs> like, We're all like fangirling on each other. <laughs> We're I just really, kind of, I if you can see our hands, recording. we're all yeah. flapping hands here. <laughs> Lots of flailing. When she turned the corner, we were like, oh! <laughs> it, was, it was a moment. Um, it really was. It was really beautiful. But yeah, Sarah so graciously has taken the time to come hang out with us and answer some questions. So without further ado, I'm sure I'll be wanting to hear some of the things that we have been postulating about, talking about a lot on the podcast these last however many months. Um, so yeah, Michael Ann, hit us. What is our first question? So, one of the things we've noticed in your novels is that you have a lot of sibling relationships, and typically she's the youngest, your main character. So where do you land in your siblings lineup? I am the youngest. Yes. Um, I have one older brother. He's three years older than me. And he actually is a, like a, a musician. He's a trombonist and a professor of music, oh. and he is incredibly talented. Um in his own right he lives out in California yeah so there's the two just the two of us but I am the youngest and I think that I think it comes across I think youngest children tend to you know and my family is all like they're very academic they all have PhDs you know and it's and I was sort of this very manic crazy creative little kid (laughs) thrown into the mix you know I think they never were quite sure what to do with me you know um but yeah I am the youngest we, we had a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> we were both the youngest of our family, and we're like, no, she has to be. She has to. This is too accurate. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just get it. She gets it too much. Yeah, she gets it way too much. <laughs> All right. This is something we talk about a lot on the podcast, which is the mother-daughter relationship. So complex mother-daughter relationships are kind of a through line through most of your novels. What kind of draws you to writing about those, and why do you find them important to keep you know, coming back to time and time again? Well, I think my relationship with my mom was, is very formative, you know, and then when I had a daughter myself, it added this whole other layer to it. But I think as a teenager, you know, your your strongest relationship is usually with your parents, you know, um, and then there's your friends and everybody else. But, you know, my mom, when I would read other young adult books and the parents were sort of like the Charlie Brown parents, you know, they were, they were just kind of there. Um, my mom was never like that to me. Like, she was so complex with so many layers. And then, you know, as soon as I had my daughter, I was like, oh, like, you're looking at everything differently. Like, I used to be like, oh, that mom's so overprotective. You know, she needs to. (laughs) Now I'm like, well, of course she doesn't want you to get in the car with that boy. Like, you know. So it it definitely, I feel like there's a a change. And you guys mentioned you're going to read Lock and Key next. And that's, I was pregnant while I wrote that book. So that was sort of the book that you know, the transition from one to the next. Um, and then um, Along for the Ride came after that, and that was the one with the baby in it. So that was, yep. you know, so. Um, oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Okay. I know. I've been thinking I want to do some sort of deep dive. Years ago, I did a thing where I wrote up a little backstory about each book and all the stuff that was going on and everything, and I don't know what I did with it. But I, at some point, I'd like to just put that out. Because there are a lot of stories behind the stories. Right. Oh, wow. That's amazing. 
Yeah, we're not mothers, but even now reading the books older, we, like, sympathize with the moms a lot more. We're like, no, she's right, and you shouldn't go out with that boy. Right, exactly. (laughs) your mother. Exactly. And I think, you know, my mom is complex and complicated, and I'm complex and complicated, and we've definitely had our points over the years where we've butted heads, but I, I would not be a writer if my parents weren't the people that they are. My mom's a classicist, you know, she... Latin scholar, you know, my dad's a Shakespeare professor, he had an endowed chair at UNC, like, they're very cerebral, smart people, (laughs) and my brother and I sort of went in the other direction, and are both very creative, so it's interesting. So Keeping the Moon is my personal favorite, and of course, we have a special um, attachment because we met in a restaurant. I love that. um, While we were serving, so we need to know... Um, you worked as a server. What is your worst memory from being a server? And what is one that restored your faith in humanity? Oh, my goodness. Well, worst, I had a woman slap my hand one time. That, you know, it was this local woman, and I had to see her again, again and again and again. Um, But literally, she was done. The fork and the knife were crossed. The plate was pushed to the side, and I just went to take it, and she was like, and I, I remember going back in the kitchen and going in the walk-in and being like, I can't talk right now. Everybody just don't talk to me, because I am at the end of it right here. Um, there was that one, and then the worst rush I was ever in was after a Carolina football game, when a Clemson game, I think we lost, but I, this girl, Melissa, God bless you, Melissa, wherever you are, Melissa Palmer, <laughs> she and I were there when the doors opened, and there was nobody else, and literally the entire restaurant filled up, and it was just the two of us, and it was one of those nights where you just think you're not going to make it, you know, like, it's just, you just want to go on the walk-in and cry, and I did. Um, so those are the two nights that I remember as being horrible, and the humanity thing was, there was a guy, this one table, I worked at this place called the Flying Burrito, and Friday nights were our big nights, and we had these two big picnic tables. Um, if you had section three, you had two big picnic tables, two big eight tops, and then one four top. So section three on a Friday night is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, like up, even with motherhood and everything. It's just really, <laughs> really hard. But there were days when I would go in there and like my rent was on the line or my car payment or whatever. There was this guy, we called him Domino's Pizza Man because he owned a bunch of Domino's franchises around Chapel Hill. And if he came in, he'd bring in his whole family. They'd take up those two picnic tables and he would tip you extravagantly. Like, he would just drop a hundred bucks on, <laughs> you know, a hundred dollar check. And we loved him. And when he came through the door, we were like, hallelujah, I'm going to make rent, you know. And years ago, like maybe five years ago, I bumped into him in Chapel Hill. And I got up and Norva had a glass of wine. And then I went up and I was like, excuse me, I don't think you remember me. But you made such a, you paid my light bill so many times. And he was like, oh, my gosh. And his wife was like, hey, look at you, you know. <laughs> But it was such a Chapel Hill moment. But I and I know everybody that I worked with at the burrito that still is around would remember. Oh yeah, Dominic's pizza guy. You know he he was great. So I'll always remember him. I love that. I love I love those regulars that you're just like this guy. This, is, this, this is guy. Like, this guy. I also love that crying in the walk-in is a universal thing. Like that yes. anyone who's ever worked in the service industry has cried in the walk-in. It's the best place to do it because you can't stay there long. It gets cold. So, and (laughs) there's a little bit of privacy, you know. It's private. I get like a little hot when I'm emotional. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't get hot in there. So like no one would know when you walked out. You're like, yeah, nothing happened. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine. I just wasn't just crying in the walk-in. Don't even worry about it. That is, yes. Domino's Pizza Man. I love you. Yeah, yeah, wherever you are. are. I'm sure some, maybe somebody in Chapel Hill will hear this podcast. And and yes, I know him. People, (laughs) somebody will because this is if chapel hill if anyone someone will be like oh yeah we know that guy he's still around i'm sure he's probably making people's days server right now i hope so i hope he's yeah i hope it's all good for the other guy 
love good tippers. That's right. <laughs> favorite, their favorite kind of yes. people is good tippers, for sure. All right, so our next question, which this one might need a little bit of explaining, but this is something we talk a lot about on the on the podcast, which is, you know, there's certain side characters. For instance, Scarlett always comes to our mind, who had a very interesting relationship with her mom, where she was kind of more the adult in the relationship. And then later on, obviously, in this lullaby, Remy has a very similar relationship with her mom. So we're curious, like, is there ever things that you kind of start toying with, and you're like, oh, I don't have time because this person's a side character, but I'd like to come back to that storyline and maybe make that, like, a main focus or something? I think that's probably, well, let's see. This lullaby came, and then Lock and Key is also sort of, you you know, being the adult. I think it was more just reflecting what it was like, you know, the 80s, growing up in the 80s was just very different, you know, and a lot of my friends were coming home to empty houses, and I had dear close friends whose mothers just disappeared for a few years, you know, and it was just a different time. Like, when you were 12, you were kind of done. It's like, (laughs) my daughter's 15, and I still do everything for her, you know, like, but, um, so I did see that. I did have friends whose parents were not that involved, you know, and, and they did have to be the adult, and I wanted to represent that, I think, because it was so interesting to me because I think kids like that who have to be the grown-up when they're a teenager, they miss out on something in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but they also become really cool adults in yeah, many ways because <laughs> they've already, like, gotten these great, you know, muscles to, to take care of themselves. But um, but that's one reason. And then, you know, I think it's just so that every everybody doesn't have the same experience. So it's always right. interesting to me. I think if you're just writing about ha- happy families, that's boring. It's great if it's your happy family. Right. But, you know, as far as, like, writing a book about it, you know, it's Not a little more interesting to have, you know, some strife and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Scarlet is one of our favorites. Oh, we I love, love Scarlet. Scarlet. <laughs> I do, too. Oh, my gosh. When she comes back in um, Bert? Is it? No, 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 not Bert. In this lullaby. Oh, it's John Mitchell. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. His... Yes, right, right, right. I can't believe like, I remembered like, that. Wow, yeah. Um, My but... brain is not good these days. So the fact that <laughs> yeah, I just that pulled it. Yeah, well, that was because I had gotten so many requests for sequels. Everyone, you know, at that point, because sequels big in YA, so everyone's like, we want a sequel. And I was like, I'm not doing a sequel. But I thought, all these people want to know what happened to Scarlet and Haney. So I'll just bring. And that's how the whole Cranium thing started, was because I didn't want to write sequels. But I did want people to know that everybody was okay. Yeah, so it's it's just sort of lazy being more than you can. Well, and also, I'm not a sequel person. Once I'm done with a book, I'm done. Like, yeah, I, right. I don't think we're sick of each other. We're done. We're good. We, is it ever, know. like, this is a bonus question I just oh. thought of, but is it ever hard, because you were complimenting this when we were reading this lullaby, and, uh, and also, um, in Truth Out there's some uh, cameos, and also, we just want to check listen, there's definitely some cameos. When you're in a new character's head, is it hard to be like, oh, what was Scarlet's voice? Or, like, what was, you right. know, like, Remy obviously is, like, in the back room and just mm-hmm. listen. And you're like, what did she sound like again? <laughs> right, exactly. That was actually, to bring Remy and Dexter into just listen was just desperation. Just listen was the hardest book. Like, when I wrote that book, I struggled through the whole thing. I thought it was terrible. I cried before I sent it to my agent because I was like, she's not going to like this. And it turned out to be so successful. I am a terrible judge of my own books. <laughs> because by the time I get to the end, I'm so, I, I just, my brain is completely falling apart. So I was having a terrible time in Just Listen, and I was struggling so much, and then I brought Remy and Dexter back in, and it was like, oh, 
You know, you can tell that I was, I didn't, I wanted them to stay. I was like, don't go! Like, because it, it was actually easy. I had been like, oh. And then they came in, and she's like fixing his phone, and it's just, you know, it's like hanging out with friends, you know. And, and I just was like, take me with you, when they left, you know, because I don't want to stay here and finish this book by myself. Um, but I did. And um, uh, I'm grateful for it. Yes. And it's always really hard and agonizing. And it, my friends and my husband in particular, they are used to like finding me stretched out on the floor, like being like, this is so hard, even though I've done it like 14, 15 times. You know, um, it's never easy or pretty, is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were saying like, when Romy was fixing us, we're like, this is so them. Like, it yeah. just, yeah, it's like you were right back. And yes. So, yeah. So I was like, damn, that's just, it was, it's nice when the characters pop up. We're always happy to see. And the tricky thing is not to, if somebody hasn't read one of the other books, not to have it be so distracting that, you know, they're like, who are these people? What does this have to do? So that's why it has to be kind of quick and in and out or just a mention. Because if they get too involved, then, you know, then people are confused. So it's finding the balance. Is Spinnerbait based on one particular <laughs> band or just like an amount? Oh my gosh, I can't say that word. What did you want to Thank you. Of frat rock bands. And how did you come up with the name? To me, they were just sort of a just thinking of like the worst bands you could think of. Yeah. And the name, I just always am hearing band names. And you know, my husband was really into bass fishing with his friend Scott, and they were sitting on the couch with me doing lures and they said something about spinnerbait and I was like that would be a great band name you know and because I always had like a list in my head of band names this goes back to like this listen and everything so um so that was where it came from and then I thought you know spinnerbait if it's a band that you know is gross like what hate spinnerbait is this sounding I mean my license plate is hate spinnerbait and oh, I'll have to show you guys what it is. oh my god it's hilarious watching people try to figure it out from behind because mm. nobody can get it like I saw this guy on the bike the other day he's like and I've had people, like, wave, and I put, what does your license plate mean? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's from a book. Like, that's all I say, because I don't want to be like, it's my book, you know? And I would. I'd cry. <laughs> but it's so funny, because it is, it's sort of like either you know it or you don't kind of situation. Um, but I've had so much fun with that over the years. And I love that you guys, you know, named the podcast after that. And I think it's just, you know, and Spinner Rate pops up here and there. If you, if you read the... Um, the bonus edition of Saint Anything, Spinnerbait for Barnes and Noble. I had to write a bonus chapter, and Spinnerbait pops up for a second. It's like the actual band. Um, if anybody can find that, that I'll see if I can find it somewhere. Um, but I had to write this thing, and they turn up, and it's like a disaster and everything. Um, so I know. We'll see this. It gets really tricky with the with the special editions when you do them for different booksellers and stuff, and it's not exactly fair because not everybody gets them. But it'd be fun to get my hands on that and be able to share it with people because that's always a lot of pressure. I had to do it again with the rest of the story. At the, after a book, they they say, "Oh, can you do like a bonus?" You know, and you've already read written the book, edited the book, done all this work, and then it's like, "Oh, wait, what?" You know, like I have to do a whole nother, yeah. I have to go right back in there. That's a tough one. You know, yeah. I've done so it twice now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought we were I, done. I passed that. Yeah. This story is over. <laughs> um, so speaking of just listen, there are a lot of good band names in just listen. Um, we recently just wrapped it up. That's the last one we read before we went on our little Michael Ann wedding break. And we Big need water. to know, oh, thank you for saying um, we need to know uh, what songs should have been on Owen's CD if he wouldn't have messed it up. <laughs> I think they 
they'd be so obscure. Like, I made up most of the music and just listened. Like, you wouldn't believe how many people send me requests for the playlist. Like, I can't find this music. And I'm like, it doesn't exist. Because music is so personal that I knew if I had Owen love a song. Like, obviously, I have Led Zeppelin. I have, you know, The Clash, a few things like that. Songs that I love. Thank you, you know, Rebel Waltz. But um, it's much more fun to imagine that whatever Owen had on there would be so obscure. And I really base, like, Owen's musical taste. The student um, station at UNC is called WXYC, right? And I could never listen to WXYC because we would sometimes put it out at the restaurant when we were doing side work. And they would have, like, somebody chanting (laughs) for, like, 15 minutes. Then they might play Britney Spears. Then they'll play some obscure, like, crazy thing. They're not interested in playing music anybody really wants to hear. It's, And I would always be like, who can listen to XYC? But it was like this uniquely Chapel Hill thing. So that's what I think of with Owen. It's like, well, first I'm going to play a bunch of people chanting, you know, and then I'm going to put on, you know, maybe some old Motown. And then I'm going to put on something, you know, completely thrash rock, you know, just like a whole mix of things. It's much more fun if you just imagine it really than yeah. to say it, you know. No Jenny. <laughs> we would probably love Jenny Reef. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like we'd be like, can we go to the Jenny Reef concert? Um, so we spend a lot of time swooning over your prose. Um, curious if, curious if there is ever a time when you write something and you just know it's a good line, or alternatively, are you ever surprised with a line that readers are attached to? I think both. I mean, there are definitely lines that when they hit and I, I tend to read out loud to myself when I'm going through the final stages and especially if I'm working on something and you know that feeling when it's just like you know but it's not what you would think like don't think or judge just listen you know I did not expect that to be but in retrospect it I mean I did not expect people to tattoo it on their bodies right. yeah. I did not expect to see people with it on their neck you know that that gets crazy. You know, yeah. I don't even have my own words. I don't have any tattoos. I see that you have some. My husband yeah. is covered. So I always think, you know, he has enough tattoos for the both of us. <laughs> but um, there are certain lines. And there are a couple in the new books that I've been working on, but I can't share them. But um, there, it's it's a great feeling because I think after this many books, to write something that is, excites me, you know. Because my biggest fear and the only reason that I would stop writing is that I'm afraid I'm going to repeat myself, you know, because it's hard to keep going and not have some things cross. And even if I wrote a book like Just Listen back in, you know, that came out in 2006 or whatever, and then one of the books that I'm working on now has sort of a, a little bit of a similar, darker um, theme, and I'm afraid people are going to say, oh, you know, it's just like what Penny Sack wrote in 2006. Yeah. You know, it's 2023. So, um, so, but it is. and But I'm always surprised by what people, you know. It's, it's funny. One of the things I wrote in this lullaby when I was sort of, doing Remy's mom's voice, you know, the Barbara Starr sort of romance voice. A lot of people really like one of those quotes, which I was sort of writing it in someone else's voice. It's not me. It was sort of, you know, she turned, she looked back, but she would not look back again. Like this very, and I see that come up on a lot of women's blogs and everything. And I'm like, I didn't really mean it. I was kind of not making fun of romance, but it wasn't. And then it says Sarah Destin. And I'm like, that's not really me. That's Barbara Starr, but okay. You know, um, so it's interesting what, what people pick out of everything and it's, it's often the editors amazing editors and publicists who really pluck out the the lines I'm terrible at writing about blurbs like the copy you read when you I never editors write that they're much better at consolidating you know what it's about so um 
often once it goes to marketing, they are really good at picking out what's the right thing. But it, things surprise us every time. It's really interesting. It makes sense, though, that you would have a similar storyline to Jess Listen in a later novel because, like, unfortunately, that's such a common... Well, exactly. And I think now as a parent, yeah. um, and also after Me Too, and yeah. seeing a lot of the behavior that was allowed when I was a teenager um, in, many situ- in many institutions, in schools, in restaurants, and yes. we all know as servers, <laughs> you know, that, that people would get very handsy sometimes. Like, just because I'm taking your order doesn't mean you can touch me, yeah. you know? But... Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's what's in the culture, obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's, like, one of my biggest things that I'm, like, we got to work on this because yeah. it's still a problem. It's it still is a still a problem. problem. There's a lot of bad behavior. Yeah, 100%. Right, just because I'm serving you doesn't mean you can call me with a smile. Right, <laughs> <laughs> You don't have any yes. rights. Number one, I swear do not do with my <laughs> face. With my face. I'm like, I thought I was, so, okay. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, oh yeah, so we've kind of talked a little bit, we are about to start reading Lock and Key uh, for the podcast, we're about to dive back into that one. Um, are there any fun, like, behind-the-scene memories that you have from writing that novel that we can, like, be like, oh, we'll talk about that one. Sarah told us this. Well, like I said, I was pregnant when I was writing that book, so it was, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of baby stuff in there, but I think it was definitely on my mind. And, um... Again, it's it's a girl who is coming out of a situation, you know, I, I tend to have mothers that are either very much involved or not involved enough, you know, in, in, in this case, it's very much for Ruby that it's not enough, you know. Um, uh, I just, I love the book so much, and it's so funny because I did this whole thing with the key necklace, and right around when the book came out, and I had these little key necklaces I gave away at my readings and stuff, we'd do like trivia contests, and if you got, got them right, you got a key necklace. Um, and Tiffany started doing these key necklaces, and then they were everywhere, and my agent was like, look at this. Like, she's like, I'm on Fifth Avenue. There's a key necklace. It's like they copied us. I was like, I don't think they copied us. <laughs> but that was a very common thing. Like, back, you know, my yeah. brother and I work here on our net. Go home. Let yourself in after school. Um, so that that led to this whole lock and key, you know. And if you watch Along for the Ride, they mention the lock and key necklaces. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there, there's a lot of – there's some crossover in there as well. But um, it's mostly, I had to rewrite the whole second half of that book. I had gotten to a certain point, and then the book went in a completely different direction. And then I remember being pregnant and being like, okay, I have to write, rewrite the whole second half of this book. And it was terrifying. Again, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of books were fun to write and easier. This Lullaby was like going to a party every day. Nothing was more fun. Along for the Ride was actually fun because I couldn't be so worried about it because I had a newborn. So I literally, like, couldn't think about it, and then i just sit down and write, and then i go back to being crazy with my child. <laughs> so those two were, were the easier ones, but then the, the ones that people really love and the ones that I'm most proud of were, like, pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, I feel yeah. like that, <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. That one really happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine writing Dreamland was very Yeah. yeah. I had to lay down a lot yeah. in that one. That was a tough one. Yeah. We, we also had to yeah, lay down we, a lot. And I don't <laughs> think I could it. write that book now. Like, it's so concise and short. Mm-hmm. Like, when I look at my, the first, I always think of those first four as kind of in yeah. their own thing, and then there's this lullaby, and then everything sort of changed. But those first four, they're real concise. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> 
but I, you know, you can see that the books get bigger and bigger if you put them, yeah. you know, and I, I think, oh, no, we need to try to go back in the other direction. I'm going to be a little bit. Um, we like, no, we like we it. Lot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All um, right. More, more. Not of Dreamland, though. I, that needs to that, be Yeah, yeah, that, 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 I still have a lot of girls that come up. I had a girl come up to me in D.C. one time, and she's like, but Rogerson, in the end, he was a good person, right? And I was like, no. no. And she's like, but he was. He was good in his heart. And I said, honey, you know, and I get emails. I get, and I always feel like, please go talk to someone that is not me. You know, like, yeah. I I support you, and I know what it's like, but please find a friend, a parent, a teacher, a pastor, anybody, you know, yeah. and, and tell your story. But I, I said to her, no matter how many times you read it, yeah. it's not going to have a different ending. You know, so. Oh, yeah, that one is. It's a doozy. Beautiful, but it's tough. Um, so, alternatively, on a happier note. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> We're all down thinking about Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin's fine. She's good. I promise you. She's happy. Uh, so you come up with the best character names. What is your process on finding the right name for a character? I always wanted a more exotic name is where some of that comes from. You know, there were a few Sarahs in my, my pool, but, like, my best friend's name is Bianca. I dated a guy named Tyoga, you know. Um, all these Chapel Hill sort of hippie names. Um, <laughs> so I always wanted a fancier name, but a lot of times they just sort of come from all over the place. Like, uh, along for the ride, Auden, I was reading Entertainment Weekly, and a celebrity had named his daughter Auden, and I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And also, like, how, if, what if your, your, you know, professors, and you know, to give you this fancy name. So that's where that came from. Um, they all have come from different places. Haven, from the first book, I knew a girl named Haven who I just loved the name, and I just thought the idea of being a haven, and she's sort of like this peaceful center in this crazy family, until she's not. Um, and then, you know, just over the years, it's just been various things. But it's usually the name comes first before anything else. Like, I don't start a book until I have the skeleton. You know, the name comes first, and then it's, First scene, climactic scene, last scene, first line. And I do that because I've started a lot of books without that, and then they just peter out, or, you know, 200 pages later, nothing's happened. Um, so, but I don't plan, I don't outline, I don't, because I just kind of go as I go, and I write in order, I don't jump around, because I need to be building it on top of what came. So, um, and I never sell my books until they're all the way written, which is really hard to do, because it's just me alone <laughs> there. But I learned in college that I don't do well having a lot of voices um, in, in my head. And there's a time, you know, Stephen King says, you know, write with the door closed, edit with the door open. And so by the time I open the door to editors and everybody else, I'm so ready. Like, please come in here, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm so ready not to be in here by myself anymore. Yeah. Um, so that's just my weird process, and everybody does it differently. Also, I would just like to say on behalf of if a Bethany ever wronged you, which is why she's a total oh. person. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, we're good people. Bethany's are good people. Oh, no. I know that. And I feel bad. I had one woman get really upset with me that I had those girls be mean and that it was the library. Like, she right. came to my reading and stood up to ask. It wasn't a question. It was a comment. <laughs> you know, and she said, I just, I wish you hadn't made the library you know, a bad place for teens or, like, that where – and I thought, you know what, she's right. Like, I – but I explained to her, and I've tried to explain to all the librarians, like, when I worked at the Frito, it was total chaos, and you would walk in, and people would be screaming at each other, and the prep cooks would be fighting. And before I would go to the Frito, I would go to the library, and I would sit, and I would read People magazine for free and calm down. 
and then I'd walk in there. And so I always just went to read magazines, and I found it to be very peaceful and quiet. So that's, and I mean, they're just, it was nothing to, believe me, I love libraries. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for librarians, you know? So um, I, but I, you got to take it to heart. You know, sometimes you can't think of everything when you're writing, and you got to be able to say, oh, you know, that's a good point. Okay, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so funny because my name is like never in anything, and like the two times it's been in something, she is not in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! And like the truth about her was like my favorite book of oh. all time. So I'm like, well, it's in there. So. It's in there. <laughs> oh, nice. we know you're a good person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we know you've been busy. Speaking of writing a couple of future novels, any sort of sneak peek we can get, we will take a single word. A word, I know. <laughs> a single word as a sneak peek. Oh, everything's just so up in the air right now. It's just been really fun, you know, working on it. I can't imagine how fun it's going to be when I can actually talk about these with other people. So stay tuned, I guess, is the answer to that question. To be continued. We both have our favorite supporting character. Mine is Mira, of course. So I know it's like picking a favorite child, but are there any side characters that just have your heart? Oh, that's such a good question. Um... The first people that bumped into my head really were Boo and Stuart from Dreamland. Yes. You know, Stuart, <laughs> I love Stuart so much. And one of my favorite lines I've ever written is Stuart. And he's talking about how he keeps hitting himself on the clothesline when he comes on his bike. And he says, it's not the fault of the clothesline. It's about me not respecting it as an <laughs> obstacle. Yes. And that is one of my favorite lines. And it makes me think of my brother because my brother went through a very Zen Buddhist phase where he would, you know, I could imagine him saying something like that. I love that line. You know, there's something about that line. I love Deb from um, uh, What Happened to Goodbye, the self-appointed ambassador of Jackson High School that nobody asked to be the ambassador and, you know, spends her own money making little gifts for people, you know, to welcome them to school. I had to rein her in. They were like, this book is not about her. <laughs> My editor at the time was like, we don't need any more Deb. More of everybody else, please. Like, okay. Um, and you can do such fun stuff with the side characters. That's the thing. I You wouldn't want to read a whole book about Boo and Stewart. You wouldn't want to read a whole book about Deb, although I would write it. Um, <laughs> but you can do so much because, the you know, your narrator has to be a little grounded. But that's why the, the side characters, I have so much more fun with them because they can just be as wacky as ever, you know, and you can do all the fun stuff with them. So. Oh, Mira and Bert and, oh, my gosh. Oh There's my just gosh. so many. I want to go to, like, an Armageddon. I know. Oh my gosh! I still think of certain lines like that. Update. It's too late. When Christy said that, (laughs) there's so many. It's like all these inside jokes. You know, it's so funny. Uh, Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I mean, they're all iconic. They're iconic. Um, All right. We have. Oh, okay. So this one is actually sent to us from our Discord. Um, What was it like switching editors and publishers from your most recent novel, or for your most recent novel? (laughs) It was kind of like leaving home. You know, I'd been with Penguin for so long, and, you know, I love them, and we have all of these books together, but I think sometimes, you know, it's like going off to college, you know. I still live in my hometown. I married someone I met in high school. I've been with the same publisher for 23 years. So, you know, it was good to get out there and just see what else was out there. And I have to say, Alessandra Balzer, Balzer and Bray, HarperCollins, she's amazing and such an incredible editor and made the rest of the story such an incredible book and I said to her I feel like it's like working with a new trainer in some ways like I thought I was in really good shape but then she like worked all these muscles that I (laughs) had never you know worked before 
Um, so it was it was a really good experience. And then the pandemic happened, you know, and it's like I had all this stuff lined up. I was going to headline a conference with Nicola Yoon in Texas in, you know, April 2020, and everything kind of got derailed. My kid was home, you know. Um, and I really just, you know, if you have a kid that was home during COVID, you know, that was a tough stretch. And I needed to just sort of be mom for a while. So things got quiet for a bit, but um, uh, I have been working and I'm hoping to sort of get back out there. I've updated my website. I started a Substack. I'm like yeah, <laughs> trying to sort of, you know, rebrand a little bit, you know, in this point in my life and career. So we'll see what happens. or technology references that you have to edit out to keep the stories timeless? That is a good question. And yes, going all the way back to someone like you. You know, I always tell this story. With someone like you, I had a Haley and Scarlett and um, a doctor's appointment together. And first, I think they were reading a magazine. And first I had um, Frank Sinatra on the cover. And my editor's like, Frank Sinatra's going to be dead by the time this book comes out. <laughs> and he did. He, like, died the day the book came out, which was crazy. She's, I know she jinxed him, Sharon November. Um, that was her name. Isn't that a cool name? That she was my name. editor at the time. So I was like, okay, I'll change it to, um, to Brad Pitt. And she's like, Brad Pitt? <laughs> That's, nobody's, no, not Brad. Pick something else. So I picked Elvis. Because at the time, I was like, Elvis is timeless. Now nobody would really know who Elvis was. But we were so careful, like, with the iPod. We didn't call it an iPod. I held out on texting for the longest time. I did not want to put text in my book because I was like, you know, you don't want to date them. The worst thing with young adult is when people write a book full of pop culture references, and unless you can rush it to the printer and get it out, or in these days, I guess, just throw it up on Amazon and, you know, it's immediate. There's a lag between when a book is written and when it comes out, and teenagers are the first to tell you that you're not cool. You know, they're the first to tell you. They're the first to be moving on from what, like, by the time something's cool to me, it is not cool to my daughter anymore, I can tell you. And I have a daughter now, and I respect her privacy. I don't talk about her much, but she is 15, and she will tell me she doesn't like what I'm wearing. You know, like, she will make me question my fashion choices in the gentlest, kindest way, but just sort of, Mama, really? You know. Um, so, you know, I'm learning is, is what it's all about. You know. That is very exciting. We were saying um, when Macon makes the uh, – Star Wars reference, mm -hmm. and so we're saying like, we're like, when this book came out, this was actually like really hit. Like this was because like uh -huh. it was before the prequels. Like, oh like, yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Time, so I was like, I was like, man, like this is a good because like now everyone always makes Star Wars references, but we're like at that time, like what we're like, wow, Sarah was before yeah. her time with yeah. the Star Wars. Reference. Well, I grew up, you know, with Star Wars. I saw it in the theater. You know, I mean, I'm that old, so it it was a definitely a very iconic, you know, part of or certain pop culture, and I love pop culture. I think that's the other thing. Um, but what I've learned again and again is it's much more fun in this expanding Sarah Lithman universe that I've created to make up people, you know, and to make up music and to make up books. I have, in one of the new books, I have all these made-up books, which is hilarious. When my agent read the, the draft, she said, I haven't read any of these books. I need to go read them so I can listen. I made those up. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, I made them up. Why would I put real books in here? You know, like, because – People are discussing the books, like, oh, like, I want everyone in the world to be discussed. Like, of course I'm going to make them up, you know. Yeah. It's a control thing more yeah. than anything. But um, but you can make up your own versions of technology, and that's what I've done also with Hi There and, you know, these different technologies, youme.com, all that kind of stuff. This is just our last standard question before we enter the lightning round. Oh, boy. <laughs> the lightning round. Get excited. Okay. Okay. Um, 
All right, so we're in Chapel Hill. This is Mike Land's very first time in Chapel Hill. I have thankfully been able to come before because Kristen has lived here for years. Um, any recommendations? If there's one thing that Mike Land has to do while she is in town, <gasps> what is it? You no can't pressure. like <laughs> limit me to one. I know. Okay. <laughs> A few things. That she well, has my to husband, do. when I was leaving here, he's like, "You got to tell him about restaurants." I was like, "Got to tell him about restaurants." So you know, if you're going to Chapel Hill. Um, uh, there's a restaurant called 411 West on Franklin Street, and I base Luna Blue on 411 West. They do not have fried pickles, but they have the best margarita pizza and Caesar salad in the world. Um, and I've been going up there since I was, you know, in college, and it's just this iconic. So that, and then across the street from that, there's a place called Mediterranean Deli, which has amazing Mediterranean food, and you could sit outside. And I used to work with the chef at Lantern, which is a very fancy restaurant. But Lantern's just work, like was walking by on weekends. Very fancy restaurant. I love that place. Um, God, there's so many places in Chapel Hill. Well, Sunrise Biscuit Kitchen is an iconic biscuit place. It's down the hill. People block traffic on Sundays to go get their biscuit. Oh That's gosh. and as any Chapel Hill person right now is listening to me. If they are, they're like yelling at the TV at the you know caught TV. I'm so old. Like yelling <laughs> at the speaker. Why are you mentioning A plus B? Like all these places. So I'm sorry for the Chapel Hill places I'm forgetting. Um, <laughs> they're all lovely. They're all lovely. And just go down Franklin Street and just walk around on the campus and you know yeah. check it out or drive through. The, the thing about Chapel Hill in the summer is it's all construction. Because as soon as the students leave and everybody leaves after graduation, they start tearing everything up before the fall. So, uh, yeah, all of us locals just avoid town like crazy because it's just nothing but cones and, you know, kids in town for camp. Yeah. Else you haven't done it. I'm really excited. I grew up hanging out on Franklin Street in front of the post office, but that's another story. (laughs) Back in the day. Okay, so lightning round. Oh, boy. Do, 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 do. (laughs) <laughs> so I know we, we do we do tell us about making the movies as an author what is it like to have your stories in someone else's hands um well the first movie how to deal which came out in 2003 you know they took two books that really didn't have anything to do with each other and kind of mashed them together but I had a great time with that whole experience and it was lots of fun but along for the ride I had a conversation with the screenwriter, Thea Alvarez, who was also directing. She wrote the first two um, All the Boys movies as well. Oh. She's amazing. This was her directorial debut, but she had written, and she really, once she wrote the script, she wanted to direct it. And so we literally had a two-hour conversation, and I was like, I'm good. And I trusted her completely, and she did so well. And I knew that there were things that were going to have to be changed. The number one thing I've heard is that Hollis, the brother, is not in it. Yeah. People miss Hollis, but, you know, there's no way. That's why I could never adapt my own stuff because it's like kill your darlings. I yeah. really couldn't do it, you know. But I, I knew that Thea, I just felt good about her. And they involved me, our producers, Alyssa Rodriguez and um, Brian, whose name I'm blanking, uh, Brian Unclus. Um, they included me so much and really, like, called me and kept me abreast of everything. And I got to go down to Carolina Beach. The fact that they filmed in North Carolina was amazing. Door to door, it was the most amazing I just wish more people knew about it. Like, I feel like it kind of landed on Netflix at a time when there was so much content. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, so I still hear from people that don't even know there's a movie. So I'm trying to sort of remind people that people will find it, you know. And, um, yeah. But it's just so cute. And I, it felt, it was really, really fun. That, that, that was, I watched that movie last summer and I was like, I have to do a podcast. That's, I have to read every single one of these books. Yes. Yeah. And it yeah. was so fun. And fun fact, you know, there's an Avett Brothers song, 
that the song that she's singing that Esther sings is the Avett Brothers. Avett Brothers are my favorite band. They're from North Carolina. And one of my requests, I had two requests from the production people. I wanted my daughter to be able to come to the set. That didn't work out because of COVID. And I wanted an Avett Brothers song to be in the movie. So Thea went through and found that song and put it all into the scene. Oh. And um and I just and of course I haven't heard anything from the Avid brothers but someday <laughs> someday one of them is gonna like their daughter's gonna make them watch this movie and they're gonna be like that's our song you know so <laughs> I hope they acknowledge it um all right go to car wash song ooh oh, no oh my gosh the Clash just popped into my head probably something by the Clash although there's a song by Yes that we used to listen to in high school called Leave It. Which is one of those songs where it like goes back and forth. So I would probably, I'm probably crank up, leave it. It's, I mean, it's just do, 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 you know, <laughs> sort of. But anything sounds better in the car wash. It really doesn't yeah, matter, you know. Yes, of course. Minus thank you, I love that. Oh, I, I love that. Oh. <laughs> I always legitimately always have that on. I, don't know, the car I wash. love the car wash. <laughs> I'm like obsessed with the car wash. Me too. Um, is DeFreeze the fictional version of Duke? <laughs> Should we no. Be go to hell? No. <laughs> the fictional version of Duke is Loeb, L-O-E-B. So there's a university called Loeb that in What Happened to Goodbye, uh, one of the characters' father, he starts talking about basketball, and they're, that's supposed to be Duke. And same. Okay, yeah, that, that's DeFreeze yeah. is supposed to be sort of, you know, just a, a really good school. And the backstory on that is one of my best friends in the world is named John DeFreeze. And so he, he was my friend from preschool. Like, we went to preschool together. And um, so I just named this. I tend to name schools and teachers after my friends. And so I just named it DeFreeze, you know, just not really thinking. And then I saw the movie, and they kept saying, DeFreeze, you're going to DeFreeze? I'm going to DeFreeze. And I was like, oh, my God. So I'm, like, texting John. I'm like, I'm sorry if you didn't want your name to be. He's like, no, the whole family's excited. <laughs> so it's, um, but I do use my friends' names for colleges and schools and stuff. But, yeah. DeFreeze is like, that's the perfect college name, honestly. It really is, it right? Like it, it sounds it like is. it should be. It's so funny. Uh, oh, okay. This question. These are both very excited to ask. Um, okay. <laughs> what Taylor Swift era would you go dressed as to the tour? Slash, like, what is your favorite Taylor Swift like, <gasps> album vibe? I really like folklore. Like, yes, I yes. think folklore hit at a certain point for me when I was, like, having a lot of feelings about things, and it was the pandemic. Seven wrecks me. That oh, is yeah. my song that, like, I one of my friends took her daughters to see Taylor in Atlanta, and I said, just tell me how seven ends. And she, like, taped just a little bit of her of the beginning of it, and I was in my car sobbing. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't go. Like, yeah. I just, even just hearing about it, I just, you know. So I think folklore, but I love Lover, too, I have to say. Um, I think I didn't I, – I sort of – Taylor was around when I was coming up, but I didn't really get as introduced to her until probably about Lover. Or, um, but I, I just think she's amazing. And my daughter and I are dying to go, but we haven't been able to get tickets. But I was like, she's a young artist. You know, we'll have another chance, hopefully. Yes, She'll be around. She'll be around. It's not like Willie Nelson yeah. or somebody where you yeah. really have to try to do it like, now. We you gotta know, go. We gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go. And all the concerts that we should have gone to, and then people, you know, aren't around anymore. So mm, that's hard. Okay, I was going to so, say, I'm who so, is so the Tom Petty person? Here. I've seen one of you guys. Okay, I love, I love <laughs> Tom Petty. And I always say to people, and I mean no disrespect to Nicholas Sparks, 
But I always say, people always want me to be Nicholas Sparks, but in my mind, I'm Tom Petty. Like, that, my books are Tom Petty. You know, like, what the working title for one of my new books was Even the Losers. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, I love him. I wish I'd seen him in concert. That is one of my biggest regrets that I... <sighs> watch his concerts it's not the same it's not the same but what an incredible catalog absolutely amazing. i walked down the aisle to tom Petty. <gasps> that's actually kind of sort of a question but wait, what yes. song was it that you walked down the aisle uh to? angel dream number two from she's the one i think there's verse there's a bunch of different versions of it there's angel dream number four angel and it's basically the same song sped up or slowed down but my brother and my cousin played it on the guitar when i walked down the aisle that's so beautiful it was really nice yeah I want to do the thing on Sirius XM where you can go on Tom Petty Radio yes. and pick your five songs. Yeah. I'm going to try to apply that. I really want to do that. I just would love to. That, I would listen. That's 100%. <laughs> yeah, we support that. We support. <laughs> they would listen. Thank they you. Listen. <laughs> We'd, We'd listen to yes. five Tom Petty songs for you, Sarah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that actually kind of leads into our last yeah. um, lightning round, round question. So I just got married mm-hmm. um, to go and so we've been thinking a lot about weddings um and obviously they're featured predominantly in a couple of your novels so what was your wedding song my wedding song was well i walked down the aisle to angel dream number two and our first the dance that the band kicked off with was i'll take you there by the staple singers which i loved and we danced to at last by Etta James, because we had been together. It was kind of a joke. Like, my husband and I had been together for years before we got married. Like, people did not think we were going to get married. I would say we had a mortgage before we had a marriage. Like, we built a house and everything. And so everyone was very surprised. And so the at last was kind of a, a nod to that. But we, I spent most of my money for my wedding. I had a very small – I mean, I had 100 people. It's not that small. But we had, like – we sold Bullock's Barbecue from here in Durham, um, catered my wedding, and I – spent most of my money on this band called Johnny White and the Elite Band, which I'd seen at a friend's wedding. And they showed up, and they were amazing. And we just danced and danced and danced. It was the best, you know. And I, I literally wore my Bridal Mart dress. And my, you know, my veil cost more than my dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really fun. And that was 23 years ago. We got married 23 years ago. I know, it's crazy. We look at each other, and I'm like, you know, people could ask us for advice. <laughs> He's like, why would they? I'm like, I don't know. We still get along. We still laugh, you know. We still like each other. You know, my daughter's been at camp, and we've spent a lot of time alone together suddenly, and it's like, oh, okay, we still like each other. This is good. This still works. If you survived a pandemic with your significant other, I think any anyone who did that, like, can give, like, advice. Yes. Boy, it was a time, and I was engaged and about to be married, and the fact that I still wanted to marry my husband, I was like, we're making it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We We were all so tested, and I think we don't, a lot of us have felt, including myself, that I think we're supposed to just move on and act like that did not affect us, and you look at social media and people are living their best lives, but we all went through something really hard, and I know from experience that when you go through hard things and push them down, that doesn't work, so... Let's just nod to our yeah. shared trauma. Our shared trauma. Yeah, and, you know, we're all doing really well, considering. Yes. All just. right, this is our, our final question. And, again, just the biggest thank you for coming and, and talking to us. And I feel like I've learned a lot since then. A good time. <laughs> but I, you probably probably know that this is coming. Uh-oh. But since my favorite novel of all time is The Truth About Forever, I have to ask, what would you do if you could do anything? What would I do <laughs> if I could do anything? Oh, my gosh. 
You know, it's supposed to be a lightning round, no pressure. I know. But it's only the hardest question of all I just had, like, tears come to my eyes. I, right now, honestly, (laughs) I would just love to get out and talk about my books again. That's what I do. You know, I really miss my readers. I miss touring. I miss, I have done one Zoom event for a bookstore in four years. I mean, it's just been, you know, so that's what I do is just sort of step back into all of that. And I'm hoping that that's coming. So that is a hard question to ask, though. Yeah. Oh. Very. You know. Um, very yeah. But that's that's it. I think just to kind of get back into things yeah. after this little respite. You know, I feel like it's been four years, which is like I went to college or something. You know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I went to law school. Yeah, like, I went, you know, I like no, went. Like, I'd like to see my old friends. I know exactly. I've sort of disappeared for a while. Now I'm coming back. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Well, yeah, we did it, y'all. So happy, fun. Happy 4th of July, everyone. We had the 4th of July queen on because it seemed appropriate Yay! of all days. I know. So <laughs> have you on the show. It would be for 4th of July. So thanks for joining us again. Thanks for this having me. This was so fun. And I'm so grateful for the podcast. And, yeah. you know, thank you for such interest in my work. And I listen to it, but I can't listen to it too much because I get really self-conscious. <laughs> you know, I just get a little like, I'm, it's like you're talking about somebody else and then I realize you're talking about me and then I have to like switch over to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't. Yeah, I, I feel like I would be this. I get a little shy, you know, <laughs> but, but it's wonderful and I'm so appreciative. Seriously. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We, we both, like, just grew up with you, and so we were, like, we were, like, how cool would it be if we could do, like, a 4th of July episode with Sarah Dustin? We were, like, we're doing it. That's we're doing so it. great. And two weeks after you got married, yeah. like, two weeks after I got married, I wasn't doing anything. I was just, like, prone on the floor, exhausted, you know. Yes. I, well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, you look She's great. Here Thank you. physically, <laughs> but mentally. So. She's killing it. She's, She's killing it. it. She's yeah. got it. Thank you so much Thank again. You. Oh, we'll do this again, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. obviously. When the next year, when the new book comes out. Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. Then I can reveal all my secrets. Yes. yes. <laughs> and um, just to wrap up, as we always like to, uh, yeah, happy fourth. I hope y'all have a safe and happy one, and take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, first and foremost, always. We love you. Don't <laughs> set off any fireworks because climate change is real. <laughs> And take care of your animals if other people yes. are setting off fire. Put yeah. your, keep your dogs inside. Oh, no more babies. <laughs> okay, bye.